1: Good morning, and welcome to Lifelong Journey, a radio program hosted by the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation in the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Clarissa, and I am your host this morning. Uh, This morning on the phone, I have two guests, uh, Kevin and Deb. Good morning. How are you?
2: Good morning. Good. How are you doing, Clarissa?
1: I am well. Can you believe it? Summer is here, and it is flying fast. Uh, I'm kind of curious, uh, before we start, start the show this morning, since it's a beautiful Chicago morning, uh, what is one of your favorite summer memories that you had maybe as a kid?
3: Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, hmm. Looking back to summer, you know, as a kid, I'm not really sure. Probably just like the, the free time outside to just without any schedule or routine, you know, <laughs> just the freedom of it all. Yeah. So just, you know, be running around as a young kid
2: outside. It was great.
1: <laughs> that's that's very true, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, my family would always go. We lived in um, Seattle, Washington growing up, and every summer we'd go to um, Priest Lake, Idaho. So it's about eight hours from Seattle. So we drive the five hours to Spokane, Washington, stay overnight with... Um, friends of a family which was actually a jesuit priest and his sister who would then come with us to um, priest lake and we'd spend a week at the lake and it was just awesome every summer oh gosh
1: those are those are some uh, those are some good summer memories i i definitely can remember as a kid uh just yeah the the extended free time playing outside Mm -hmm. until it was late (laughs) and then having having my parents yell uh that it was time to come in um Well, thank you so much for for joining the Office of Lifelong Formation on the radio program this morning. Uh, I'm here with Kevin Foy and Deborah Brecky, and they are with the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation, and we're going to be spending some time talking through uh, the reopening guidelines uh, for religious education and youth ministry and a new uh, pilot for religious education that that the office has been working on uh, in recent weeks. And for our listeners who don't know you or or aren't familiar with the work, uh, can you tell us a little bit more, introduce yourselves, to our audience, uh, what you do in the Office of Lifelong Formation, and kind of how long you've been in the Archdiocese.
2: All right. Well, I guess I can start. Uh, yeah, my name is Kevin Foy. I'm the director of the Office of Lifelong Formation, um, and I've been in the office. Well, I've been in the Archdiocese a couple of years. Uh, I started in the um, Global Mission Office, which I also direct, and then. About a year, year and a half ago, um, took over as director of the Office of Lifelong Formation. And basically, what I do is oversee uh, the core sort of formational and catechetical religious um, education ministries of the Archdiocese. So, you know, everything from um, parish religious education and youth ministry to preparing for marriage, um, adult confirmation, and then just really work to make sure when we say lifelong formation that we help our parishes uh, continue to move towards uh, forming the whole person, so that you don't only have a religious education program or you don't only have a youth ministry, but you look at a different stages of life are people being met with the faith formation needs that they that they have so they can continue to grow in their faith and grow so more connected to the Church through community and uh, their own understanding of what Jesus is calling them in their life. And so that's kind of what our office uh, does, is support all of that and then help Parish is kind of forge a vision for for how to make that a reality in, in the church today, um, especially with people's lives being complicated and hectic and all over the place. How do we really serve people in their faith formation journey, no matter where they're at in life?
1: Awesome, thank you, uh, Deb. Did you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, to... yeah, sure. I'm
3: Deborah Bracey. I was um, in parish ministry for seventeen years as a director of religious education on the south side of Chicago. Um, so that's you know my parish background and then I um, joined the archdiocese in just October of last year. So I've been um, you know with the archdiocese um, in the offices downtown for what maybe I don't know ten months or so. Um, I'm the senior coordinator for children and family ministry. so I'm just you know focused on supporting the religious education program throughout the archdiocese um, and Learning from our lifelong formation coordinators the various ways that we can support uh, religious ed more directly.
1: Great. Well, thank you both mm-hmm. for, for joining the program this morning. Uh, the topic that uh, is the thing that we're going to be talking about, you know, kind of the reopening guidelines for religious education and youth ministry, along with the pilot, you know, can you give our audience a little bit of context and how the guidelines came about and where we are in that process?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, when we say reopening, obviously we're all coming out of this context where, you know, in March things pretty much um, entirely shut down in the church, and then over the uh, the past few months, slowly but surely, we have been reopening different elements of parish ministry. Obviously, starting with the mass and allowing people to participate in, in receiving the Eucharist um, as as the central uh, the, the central reason for the Church is to, you know, give people that um, direct communion with Jesus. But then, you know, really looking at these other ministries that that need to happen, and so we really were struggling with this idea that um, COVID-19 is still a reality. It's unfortunately not going away, but in some cases um, also continuing to rise and spread, and um, knowing that we have to have a lot of safety precautions in place to gather people safely, but on the other hand saying, you know, we can't you know, we need, if ever there's a time to be the church, it's in a moment of crisis. People need to connect to community. Um, They need to they need to grow in their faith, and they need to do it in ways that are um, supported through the church and really feel like the church is ministering to them. So our goal was to by the fall have really clear guidelines in place for how parishes can and should be re-engaging children and youth and their parents in physical spaces and also virtual spaces to to minister more effectively than we were able to do in the spring. People did their best in the spring, but it was an emergency situation. And so our target was to have a really clear guidelines, a certification process if they want to do on-site to make sure that it's safe uh, to gather children and they're following proper protocols. So just in the past Week or two, um, finalize those guidelines, and so parishes are really actively working to say, what does their program look like? What do they need to do to get everything in place so that they can minister more effectively through religious education and youth ministry, uh, starting in starting in the, the next couple of months.
1: Great, uh, I'm I'm kind of wondering, you know, for our listeners who might not have. Kids or students still in religious education. Uh, what are some? How are some ways they they can be like invested and in, kind of interested in uh, pieces that are affecting their Sunday community?
2: So for listeners who aren't directly involved in religious education, how do they? How yeah. Oh um, like, yeah. Go ahead.
1: Oh yeah. No yeah. How are they? You know, kind of invested in this conversation as it as you know these guidelines will affect their. You know the the parish community that they belong to
2: yeah that's a really good question so i think one of the things i would say to that is that we were really clear with the reopening guidelines that um you know this really religious education youth ministry has to be a a ministry of the parish and a key effort of the parish because what's really happening is a few things one is that uh, a lot of the safety guidelines have to look at how the space is used not just for the program but who's coming in before who's coming in after is there enough time for cleaning between um a mass occurring and um of children coming into the space you know and so it really is requires the parish to look at how can we support that by making sure that we schedule these sessions at the right time and that also we have the right volunteers um to help with cleaning and, and really, I think, encourage any parents or, or any adults who can be um, catechists or other volunteers It's really a big need right now because with the safety guidelines in place, you have to limit the class sizes uh, for allow for proper social distancing. So before you may have a catechist with 20 kids. Well, depending on the parish space, you, need, you may need four classes of five, which requires five different catechists and also in virtual spaces, you know, for safe environment reasons. We need to have adults with eyes, uh, eyes on the room participating who are willing to get, um, trained in what virtues, which is our baseline safe environment training, um, if, if even just once a month or once a quarter, you could be an adult who sits in on the room and isn't even the primary catechist. So I really encourage people to talk to the directors of religious education and say, you're planning all these things for health and safety, for virtual, whatever, you know, what do you need from us? How can we volunteer? How can we how can we help? How can we be a community that helps facilitate this? Because even if your own kids aren't in religious education, you know, and I think a lot of times, um, you You know, a lot of our religious education students are in the public schools, not in the Catholic schools, and Mm -hmm. especially now in the the past week, a lot of these kids now are facing the the prospect of no on-site classes. And so that need to be able to connect to other um, kids in a physical space, if the parish is able to offer it, is even more heightened for kids who are just so isolated right now and facing the prospect of maybe the next nine weeks or even through December being 100% isolated or, or almost 100% isolated from peers. And so anything people can do, they can really talk to their catechetical director in the parish to say, how how can we help with, um, with these elements to make this uh, a safe and thriving experience for the youth in our parish?
1: No, that's a that's a really good point, because I, I imagine some of our listeners might not have uh, students, kids, students in, in religious education. They might be asking, like, well, you know, why does how does this affect my life? And, and I think we we do tend to forget mm-hmm. that religious education is a is a community process and it's based in the parish, not necessarily in one entity. Uh, Deb, did you have anything to mm-hmm. add to that?
3: No, just just that exact concept that you know, as members of Catholic communities, we're we're called to support all the the efforts of our parishes, and this is just this is a critical one at this moment that needs support from all parishioners.
1: And yeah, no, thank you. Well, let's go ahead and take a mm-hmm. quick break, and then we'll come back in mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm.
4: Throughout our nation and our world, people of all faiths have recently been joining fervently in all kinds of prayer. They have found that coming together in prayer is a source of comfort and strength. In this spirit of unity, the Archdiocese of Chicago has introduced a call to prayer, a telephone line dedicated to prayer. If you would like to join with another person in prayer, call 312-741-3388. This line is staffed from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily with parishioners from across the Archdiocese of Chicago. These volunteers are here to listen to you, offer support, and pray with you. A call to prayer includes a 24-hour voicemail and email options as well. Experience this wonderful opportunity to join with people just like you who trust in the power of prayer. That phone number again is 312-741-3388. Let's pray together today. It has been inspiring to see how individuals, families, and communities have found ways to help one another throughout 2020. At Catholic Charities, we usually have 35 to 40 events a year where we gather and enjoy time together in support of important programs and services, while raising critical funds that allow us to respond to the growing number of people who are in need of the most basic necessities in life. Many of our events are now virtual. If you would like to be a sponsor for one of these events, please call 312-948-6864. That's 312-948-6864. Also, visit us at catholiccharities.net slash events and follow us on social media too. We so look forward to when we can resume our events in person and reconnect with our friends and partners throughout Chicagoland. For now, please consider donating to Catholic Charities so our vital work can continue. Thousands of people in Chicago count on Catholic Charities every day. Please help us help them today. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. There's nothing like having a friend to talk to when things are not going well. And in these challenging days, everyone has had moments when they are discouraged, sad, or worried. Catholic Charities wants you to know that we are here. If you or someone you know would like to share your concerns with a professional... Call 312-948-6951 anytime, day or night, and you will be connected with an experienced counselor who will listen without judgment and offer compassionate, confidential advice that you can trust. That phone number again is 312-948-6951. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you. you.
1: Back with Lifelong Journey, a radio program hosted by the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation in the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Clarissa, and with me this morning are Kevin Foy and uh, Deborah Brecky, and or Brecky. I always like get that pronunciation <laughs> wrong, and so uh, we have been chatting a little bit about kind of the reopening guidelines of religious education, and uh, I wanted to to ask. Uh, Both of you, you know, as as you've spent some time preparing the guidelines and I know some conversations have been held, you know, among catechetical leaders, you know, how have you found yourself uh, encountering Christ in relation to this? You know, is there a story that that, you know, were you, you know, in the time that we've been working um, with COVID-19, you know, as you've been preparing, uh, helping uh, the archdiocese prepare, where have you uh, found Christ in in these moments?
3: You know, I could say that, um, you know, these the procedures and guidelines, you know, there's they're not necessarily easy for parishes. There's a lot involved there. You know, with the health and safety being the priority, you know, we have to be really vigilant about the procedures we're, um, you know, calling people to implement. And, um, you know, I've had conversations with catechetical leaders and just in their deep humility have just really then accepting of the guidelines, even though they may be difficult for them, and really willing to creatively think of ways to make it work and to follow them and to, you know, just re-engage families and, you know, students in their programming. So, um, you know, I think in that regard, Christ is definitely there when you see the humility and dedication of the catechetical leaders that are just, you know, they're stepping up at this really difficult time right now.
1: yeah kevin did you have a
2: yeah i mean i would echo 100 percent what deborah said i mean the number of of people who you know really look at this say you know it is what it is and we have to work around it i mean even just yesterday um, we were in a meeting with some catechetical leaders and you know after the meeting one emailed me and was just kind of saying you know we know that things need to change right now. And we know that we need to change the way we do things so that we can be still ministering in this environment while being safe. And, you know, just really that that attitude of, um, you you know, the the thing we'll say about the guidelines is that just the reality of the pandemic and the the pretty rigorous guidelines we put in place to ensure safety is that you can't really do catechesis the way um, you used to uh, because it requires um, less in person gatherings, it requires smaller groups, it requires more parents to be involved, not only in the catechesis kind of classes themselves, but also outside the classroom and in supplementing what's happening with, with their kids, grace formation. And so there's this whole shift of people really needing to rethink how they do things. And they really I've, I've just really seen people really being open to the Holy Spirit and letting them guide that process and this and just mm-hmm. recognizing um that that's just the, the the reality that we operate in, and then also, you know, even in that meeting yesterday, you know, someone, a youth minister, just said it really well that you know, there's there's their their safety and that we have to protect, and then there's the um, harm that we do by not um, helping them have um, see how Jesus is entering in their life, and so I think that's really been the challenge for people is that we we're responsible for the physical health of children, but we're also responsible for the spiritual health of children and just the creativity and saying we are not going to be stopped in meeting that spiritual need, but we're also not going to risk people's health and we're not going to sacrifice safety to do it. It really has been profound to see how people have really met the moment um, to to balance those needs. Thank you.
1: Is there a scripture passage that either of you uh, wanted to share with our listeners that reminds you of uh, the opportunities that we're finding now to kind of minister in this time that is just so different in, the, in anything that we've ever done before as a church?
2: Mm. I, well, I guess I can start. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, there's actually two. My, my favorite scripture passage um, has always been in the Gospel of, of Matthew when, um, when Jesus looks out and he sees all these people who are sick and in need and in spiritual need and physical need, and he's teaching and he's healing, but just this kind of sense of being overwhelmed by the amount of need and then really praying for um, praying for others to be sent out, to, saying to his disciples to ask the, the Master of the Harvest to send out more laborers. So even Jesus in his humility kind of saying, we all need to be in this together. I rely, I need you to be my hands and feet in um, bringing the healing to this world, and so I think that's really relevant now. But I've really been reflecting on, um, you know, more recently in these times as we've been preparing for reopening, on, uh, you know, Jesus' uh, insight, if you will, that where two or three are gathered, that He is present. And so this idea of the call and the need to gather with each other in some way, shape, or form to be in community, whether it's virtual or in person or a mix of both that especially when so many of us still can't easily go to Mass or can't go to Mass regularly, that there is that call of if there's any way we can connect as a community of just even a handful of people, that we're inviting Christ to be present in the midst of that.
1: Well, those are two very profound and powerful passages that I think really help mark the time that that we're in as a church and then as as leaders in the church of like— guiding and walking with others uh, during a time that's just so unprecedented in, in the work that all of us are doing. Yeah. Deb, did you have any? Uh...
3: Um, No, I would I would just, you know, go along with those. Um, and then as Kevin was speaking, I was also just reminded of, you know, in the scripture when, when Jesus had said, you know, let the little children come to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to look different this year, but it's still going to happen. So...
1: Yeah, I yeah, know that's that's so true. Mm-hmm. Uh, as part of what I know that the Office of Lifelong Formation is doing it's. Uh, it's really kind of meeting the needs of where well where we have to be in terms of the, the guidelines that the that the state has given us, but then also meeting the needs of the families and working in in those constructs. And I'm I'm curious since we haven't talked about it so far, but I'm wondering in terms of the real world application if if this um, would be an opportunity to talk about the the pilot that is currently launched.
3: Sure. Yeah. I mean, so. You know all that Kevin has just said about the challenges that parishes are facing right now, you know, so so we know that that's that's the reality of this time. And then at the same time, you know, we mentioned that families have been overwhelmed. you know, things were just kind of an emergency situation this spring. So, you know, parents are facing a lot of demands on their time and juggling juggling with working from home, you know, and having their children home. So, the um, this virtual religious ed pilot program that uh, we've designed is to help meet those challenges, both of the parishes and then the challenges that parents are facing today. Um, and it's you know designed with a really simplified yet comprehensive format, so that class times will be shortened, but then there will be more meaningful engagement um, for parents and families to have together. So that's you know that's a key aspect of it, where we're really Focusing on educating adults, educating children, and then helping families to grow in their faith together and live their faith together. And then also, um, the fourth part of that would be engaging parents pa- parents and families in the life of the parish community. So you know, so they're not just kind of isolated on their own learning about the faith, but they're also engaging in their own parish community.
1: That's fantastic and is that a is mm-hmm. that pilot has it already been launched in uh, throughout the archdiocese or is it something that people will see in the fall? Yes,
3: yeah, so it's something that we um, you know advertised um, maybe about a month ago we started. So throughout the archdiocese catechetical leaders had the opportunity to apply for the pilot program. Um, we had 30 parishes that were interested in partnering with us. And um, of that, we selected 10 parishes. We felt that that was a good, um, you know, number that we could support effectively. And, you know, so on both ends, the, you know, the assistance could be beneficial to the parishes, you know, and that they would receive the support that they needed. So we've selected those 10, and we're working with them now um, to train the catechetical leaders and then train the catechists and then even— you know, share a webinar with the parents as far as uh, parent formation, and then we plan to start our first week of classes, virtual sessions in October, the first week of
2: October.
1: oh that's that sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. Kevin, did you have anything that you wanted to add to that piece?
2: Um, I guess I would just add in terms of you know we 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 were literally looking at um different models for the content and you could have a traditional sort of, um, you know, start with chapter one to go to chapter, you know, twenty. Well, all, um, we could have looked at Lives of the Saints, but what we really landed on was a model that really centers on the liturgical year and the, the weekly readings, because I think that, you know, especially with um, this project of Renew My Church of Making Disciples, we really want um, to help families engage with their faith and the life of the Church more intentionally and support them. And so, um, you know, really tying to the weekly scriptures and the lit- movements of the um, liturgical year, we can really say, you know, this is connected to you know, not only your personal spiritual life, but the spiritual life that we share together as a church. And I think for me, you know, I I, um, I have a background in sort of, you know, missionary work, global mission work, and it always struck me that when you go to Mass on Sunday in Haiti or Guatemala or Bolivia or, you know, wherever, that you are um, experiencing the same Word of God that Catholics around the world are. And so I think there's something really powerful in being uh, and kind of doing religious formation around something that's universal to our faith and really kind of solidifies what it means to be a, a community of disciples. And also, I think this makes it easier for, for people to engage and, you know, coming in and out of the program as people's lives are hectic and things like that, just to make it easy for them to engage and not feel like, oh, I missed Chapter 2, so now I don't understand what's happening in Chapter 3. So we're really just exploring what are the ways to really help people, children grow in faith, but also, um, you know, what I always say is that to help parents be the faith leaders in their homes, to be the the primary witnesses of faith in their homes, that they don't need to be theologians or even catechists, but to help them grow more confident in their faith so that they can can instill that in their children, which we know is the most effective way to, to raise children in the faith, inform them in the faith, is to have parents who are confident in in their beliefs and their faith and their ability to, to, to discuss faith and to pray and to, you know, just be those faith leaders for their children and their family.
1: Fantastic. Well, this is a good time to take a break. When we come back, we'll hear a little bit more. Thank you.
5: In 2006, the Charities Golf Classic has been held each summer to raise critical funds for Catholic Charities of Lake County. While this event cannot be held this year in person, your help is needed now more than ever. An online event is being held for all those who regularly attend this outing and want to continue their tradition of support. Your donation to Catholic Charities will ensure that all programs are running at full strength when people need help most. 92 cents of every dollar donated goes directly to helping people in need. Be a champion and support the Charities Golf Classic this year. Go to catholiccharities.net and search for Charities Golf Classic or call 847-782-4119. That's 847-782-4119.
4: Thank you. Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We have been ready through many historic moments, and we continue to respond with competence and compassion during these unprecedented times. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the risks, excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, To the dedicated WIC employees who remain open for families with children under the age of five. To our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that to-go meals continue for the homeless. To our home care aides, service coordinators, and trained counselors who continue their work in the most innovative ways. To our food pantry staff and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do, and we salute you.
1: and we're back uh, with the radio program Lifelong Journey, a show hosted by the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation in the Archdiocese of Chicago. And before the break, we were talking a little bit about the new religious education pilot that uh, we will be working with this fall. And uh, Kevin, you said something very interesting about the parent formation and kind of working with the adults. And I'm wondering how the strategy for this pilot looks different than what, the church has traditionally done in terms of forming adults and families in the context of religious education.
2: Mm-hmm. Deb, do you want to talk a little bit about that? You're working more directly with the the content.
3: Right, sure. So um, the um, formation of parents is going to kind of have um, two different elements to it. So uh, first, there will be just, you know, some um, basic foundational church teaching um, sessions, you know, those types of things, to just help parents become more comfortable in the basics of the Catholic faith. Um, so, you know, that probably isn't anything too new, you know, than, than what we've done in the past. Um, I'd say an area where we're um, expanding that is that there will be um, some of the sessions will be on more kind of like a catechetical angle. So you know um formation videos that we would have traditionally shared only with catechists, you know, so those things will be then um part of the parent formation and discussion with them. So not only are they um you know learning the faith and the basics of the faith, but they're learning how to share that with their children. And, you know what? catechesis means and how to engage in those conversations more deeply with their kids so you know it's it's kind of um moving from knowledge alone to like knowledge and equipping them of sharing and leading their family
1: that sounds fantastic i imagine that the people who signed up for the pilot were excited at the prospect of doing something different and new for their kids for their students in their parish
3: Absolutely, you know, and it seemed like for some of them, um, you know, to embark on something new alone is kind of daunting. So I think that's the beauty of in this situation the partnership, you know. So they felt a little more comfortable trying something new by being able to partner with our office, and then you know, with a publisher as far as like additional training and support and those types of things. So. you know this is a this is a way to to try something new, but not completely out there on your own, you know, in uncharted waters.
1: So. I'm wondering uh, this is kind of the the catechetical portion of the radio program, but I'm wondering like where either in the documents or scripture or church teaching that that we were guided, you know as an office to figure out you know how to adapt what we were doing to the real-world realities of what our families are facing kind of in in this new learning reality?
3: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I say just, you know, in general, church teaching has long emphasized that parents are the primary catechists of children. You know, we hear that over and over and throughout so many of the church documents, and it's something that we've just all, you know, um, been so familiar with hearing a lot of times. And those of us in ministry have really encouraged parents in that role for years. And we've seen where some parents have embraced that role and some just aren't sure on how to go about that, you know. So, you know, we've realized more and more that it's one thing to expect parents just to automatically take on that role as primary catechists of their children. And then it's another thing to really partner with the parents and accompany them and equip them for this task, you know. So, again, so they're not doing this on their own. So I'd say, you know, in that regard, um... This is how we're meeting them in this critical time, you know, to really um, partner also with parents and then accompany them in this primary role that they've, you know, had um, since their child was born and they've, they've baptized their children in the faith.
1: No, no, that 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 is that is so true. It's like the expectation has always been there, especially right after the sacrament of baptism. You know, like, mm-hmm. all right, here you go, parents. Are you ready? Here's the blessing, the water, the oil. Right. And like, and off they go. And I think so often that we've forgotten as as educators and faith formators of the church that the parents kind of need need a little bit of boost. <laughs> they 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 need Absolutely. some handholding and some opportunities to to gather. And it sounds like there's opportunities for communities and families also. To create community as as part of this,
3: mm-hmm. right, and that it does, you know, it doesn't have to be in these huge leaps. It's you know in very small steps. It doesn't have to be overwhelming for families. It's just you know we have to kind of just help them along the path a little bit, and we all need help from time to time. So
1: that's fantastic. And when mm-hmm. will we uh, hear a little bit more about the pilot? I'm I'm guessing it goes through the end of the what would be the academic year.
3: Exactly. So we'll start in October and we'll go through May. Um, So, yeah, once we get, you know, really working with the parishes, we'll be able to share more information on how it's going. And then, you know, I'm sure we'll have a very um, successful, productive year. So I'm looking
1: forward to it. That's great. Kevin, was there anything you you wanted to add about um, the pilot and the other pieces that go along with that?
2: For sure. I mean, I think, um, you know, we talk about pilots, and I think for your audience, maybe depending on who they are, it's kind of a inside baseball sort of term. But I mean, um, really the, the, the idea behind it is that, um, you know, this is a missionary church right now, and we're trying to to move it forward. And our, our approach to that is to basically do our research and take our best educated guess about what's going to be effective, but really then work with a small group of willing partner parishes to try it out and test it and learn from it. And so, you know, even though, for instance, we had 30 parishes apply, we wanted, we really wanted a group that was manageable enough to really test it out and see, you know, what, what works, what doesn't, what needs to be improved, and then build from there. Because um, I think that, you know, I think we've all have if you've been around the Church long enough, you you know, you've you've seen enough stories, whether it's um, any diocese where something becomes kind of a hot new ticket, and oh, now every parish is going to try this or try that, and then it kind of flames out. Um, because it's you know, you you really want to make sure a direction you're moving in is is fruitful, and that's really our approach. So we really looked at kind of parishes who needed this sort of pilot. They were they were really in a position where um they needed the help but also that they were really interested and committed to doing something new and different because I, and that's so it's kind of a a dance there of saying like where's the best place to start um so that we can really see does this work and i think there's this a huge opportunity i mean does hit the nail on the head you know you can't you know, it would be like, you know, now kids doing e-learning, you know, or homeschooling. To be like, oh, suddenly you're your kid's primary math teacher. Did you know that? Well, if you don't know anything mm-hmm. about math, um, and you know, that's a little uh, reductive because, you know, with faith, I think Pope Francis has really, with Joy of the Gospel and onward, really clarified that, that really the starting point is, do you feel like Christ is present in your life, and are you willing to walk with Him? And so I think through this program, the parents really don't need to feel like they know everything. Like, it's okay to be walking alongside your child and learning it together, as long as you are on the, feel like you're on that same path together. Because I think a lot of us had the experience where you send your kid to religious ed classes, they come home, you ask them how to go, and they mention things, and you, you don't really feel like you can even engage on it, because you don't really understand even like, the catechesis that they're getting, or feel like you're clued into that, and then... You know that you really, as a family, can't. You know, I really think catechetical lesson should be the start of a conversation or the continuation of a conversation that's already happening in the home, and we just haven't been equipping families to do that uh, effectively as a as a church as a whole.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's very true. Well, we'll go ahead and take a quick break, and then we'll come back in a little bit. Okay.
6: people around the world are interested in their family history. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. Our veterans have served our country, and it is our privilege to serve them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Services and the Veterans Computer Project, call 847 782 4219. That's
4: 847 782 4219. Catholic Charities After Supper Visions program offers guests of our Tuesday night supper the opportunity to learn the art of photography. These talented guests who are often experiencing homelessness are offered disposable digital cameras and they work with volunteer professional photographers to learn the basics of taking photos. Then the artists go out and capture images on film of anything they find to be beautiful or interesting in the world. Their photos are amazing. Visit AfterSuppervisions.com to learn more about the artists and their artwork. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn too. At After Supper Visions, we are developing film, talent, and hope.
1: Good morning, and we are back with the Office of Lifelong Formations radio program, Lifelong Journey, a radio program hosted by OLF in the Archdiocese of Chicago. And if you have been following our conversation this morning, we've been talking a little bit about the reopening guidelines for religious education and youth ministry Along with a new and exciting, shiny, uh, fresh uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> religious education pilot that we're going to be launching here in the next few weeks, and so we've gotten to the point in our program. We've got just over ten minutes left, where we this is the time when we kind of gather ideas and how people can respond or support kind of the efforts that the Office of Lifelong Formation is doing in, in regards to this. And I, uh, I'm wondering how people, how our listeners might feel called to respond or, you know, call their pastor and say, hey, I want to help out, or is there anything I can do, especially around, you know, the reopening of RE? Yeah,
2: yeah absolutely. Probably. I mean, I think for the reopening of, of religious education and the um, and youth ministry, or and or, depending on what ministry the parish has, I, I do really think that, that the first thing you can do is, Reach out to your youth minister or your um, director of religious education and say, you know, what are you thinking for the plan? You know, are we, you know, thinking of virtual? Are we doing on site? And then what do you need? Because every parish that's reopening has um, reopening teams for religious education and youth ministry. And so they really need um, just bodies, they need people who can contribute something, whether it's um, being part of the, the um, facilitation of. On on site and the cleaning, or temperature checks as, as um, children come in, or just kind of managing the the car line as, as kids are dropped off. Especially since we're really um, we're telling parishes that you know the, the space for religious education the kids should enter, but we don't want the parents entering it when they're dropping them off in the physical space, just because again the fewer bodies you have, the fewer potential um cases of transmission you have. And then for virtual, um, it's just a big lift for people to make this switch. They need people to help them. Leave lessons, sit in on lessons for safe environment reasons, um, help them, you know, um, you know if they're using things like Zoom, monitor waiting rooms. So anyone who feels like they have anything to give in any of those capacities, you know, just check with your religious education and youth ministry leaders and say, yeah, what do you think and how to run this and, and what can I do to help you?
1: Yeah, no, those are no those are great ideas. I think in what would be the old model of religious education, you really don't, see or you wouldn't imagine needing as many volunteers as you would now and it sounds like what we're asking parishes to do and what we're doing as an archdiocese is saying no this is really the community now this is really our opportunity to step up and support parents and support families and it's everything from outside responsibilities you know parking gathering kids to tech support or even sitting in in virtual spaces just to make sure that uh, kids are safe or, or learning can, can be conducted in a good and safe way.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Now, is yeah. there, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I didn't mean to mm-hmm. cut you off. No, that's fine. I was just going to add to that,
3: that, you know, you, you had asked, you know, how the whole parish community can, can be involved or, you know, how this relates to everyone. And I'd say, you know, especially surrounding the tech support piece, I mean, that is a great need right now with religious ed programs. And, you know, maybe that's the place where the young adults can now step in and really provide that, you know, support with virtual, you know, spaces to the to the catechists and catechetical leaders. So they would be a great help to us at this time. And,
1: mm-hmm. and it sounds like each parish will have an individualized approach for their community. And so whether it's virtual or hybrid or in person, uh, it sounds like the the approach will be different, and so people will have to kind of be open and flexible to what their, their parish is asking them to do.
2: Absolutely. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's really driven by um, what they can do with their resources and then also what the um, comfort level of the parents are. So it's really some parents say, we, we want to do all virtual. We're not comfortable doing anything on site. Some say, well, if it's all virtual, we're not going to participate. And so they really do have to work with their communities to say, what can we do and what do people want? Because we don't want to put, we, you know, really clear, we don't want to force any family or to feel like they're forced into a situation that they feel is unsafe. So they really have to really look at their community and what their, what their parents are comfortable with. And then who, you know, but the more, as Deborah said, the more kind of people they have pitching in, the more any plan is, is likely to be able to get off the ground with that parish.
1: Now, do you imagine that, people who are listening who are like who are just you know called uh passionate about their response will there be opportunities perhaps for training especially if they've never done anything around catechetical ministry or worked or volunteered in this capacity at their parish are our dre's uh going to be doing training sessions perhaps for their for their newcomers
3: absolutely yeah, yeah so absolutely. we have
2: so you, know, have you throughout... to say something on that
3: Sure. Throughout um, the vicariate, we're offering a number of different types of trainings, whether it's, you know, on Zoom or or on Teams or um, just even, you know, methodology and virtual classrooms, those types of things. So we, we do have those trainings that we're planning for catechetical leaders and catechists, and they'll all be recorded as well so that if, you know, someone isn't you know, signed up to be a catechist today and they happen to miss the training, it it will be recorded and available for catechetical leaders to share moving forward. So, yeah, that's, that'll be a great um, help and resource to new catechists for sure.
1: And where... Can people find the, the guidelines if they're just curious about what the Archdiocese is looking for? Is it on a newsletter or, or a website? Where where can our average person find, find those
2: resources? Yeah, absolutely. So the website, it's a little long, but it's um, PVM, P is in Peter, V is in Victor, M is in Mary, because that's our department, Parish Vitality and Mission. So pvm.archchicago.org is the main website. And what they would do is go to pvm.archicago.org and just click on the tab for COVID-19 pastoral resources. So um, it's one of the main tabs. And they, all of the religious education guidelines are, are listed under there. So these guidelines are fully available to the public, any parent, any parishioner, anybody could review review them um, for their own understanding of what their parents is allowed to do and, and what safety measures are expected to be taken in place um, no matter what kind of program the parish is offering, and then also kind of what it takes to do it and have a sense of maybe what the needs are in terms of support.
1: That's great. So it's, it sounds like it's pvm.artchicago.org and from there our listeners can go on and, and find uh, pieces that they
2: need. Yes, under the COVID-19 section of the, of the website.
7: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, additionally, if they had questions about reopening, they could email reopen. R-E-Y-M, so it's all one word, reopen, R-E, as in religious education, Y-M as in youth ministry, at ArchChicago.org. And our team is monitoring that and um, offering, you know, quick real-time responses to questions regarding reopening guidelines and policies.
1: Fantastic. Well, we've got just about five minutes left in our program, and I'm wondering if there's if there's any kind of last-minute thoughts or pieces that you wanted to share with our listeners Uh, who are maybe hearing about this for the first time and looking to get involved in their parish, or maybe parents who are just kind of hearing (laughs) in a broad way about our plan and then looking how they can kind of stay involved and engaged throughout the academic year. Mm
7: -hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say that first and foremost, um, we take health and safety, whether it's in physical spaces or virtual spaces, extremely seriously, especially at at this time on the health and safety, on the physical spaces side. And so the, um, you know, the, parish, the, the parishes are op- operating under pretty kind of, um, you know, strict guidelines. So I think one is parents are just kind of offer some grace to parishes and know that they're, they're doing the best they can given the um, guidelines that they've been given and, and trying to ensure safety. So, you know, um, the, just to know that we're taking it seriously and that their parish is taking it seriously and that, you know, religious education is going to look different, but I just really encourage people to... Um, really think about the need for this right now, and the need for, you know, we as a church, we know that um, more each day, kind of, we're losing more young people, um, and our young people are going more disconnected from Christ, and, and knowing who God is in their life, and You know, this is a time when they're feeling isolated and they're afraid. I mean, my seven-year-old son, he's seven years old, but he's always talking about the virus and the virus that and this and what we can and can't do. And so there is a real hunger for that spiritual guidance right now. So just to really kind of, you know, do your best to understand um, what the options are for your parish and just do what you can to really see what they need in in making it a reality would be my biggest um, piece of advice. And then also that, you know, we're strict now, but we hope that, um, you know, God willing, that the situation improves and that parishes can do more interaction and engagement. But, you know, we just think it's best to um to start slow and cautiously to make sure that um, you know, everything goes well and smoothly and everything is safe and healthy for everybody, uh, and not, not jump too far into bringing people back together. That's kind of been our, our church our approach in the church in general is to kind of slowly but surely do more and more um, but always monitoring um, that everything, that all of our safety procedures are, are being effective and, and um, that that what we think works based on public health guidelines, guidelines actually does work because it's just such a new situation for everybody.
1: And is are the guidelines going to be updated at all during the academic year or like revised or is the expectation that this is going to be in place until the end of the academic year?
2: Great question. Yeah, um, no. So our, our advice to parents now is that these guidelines are currently intended to be in effect through January, um, and that um, they may be updated earlier if the situation warrants it. But that ahead of January, they would be revisited to see if um, if the measures can be allow for more gathering or require less gathering. So we are, we will continue to monitor and and um, update as as the situation changes. Um, and and so at least we said through January this is our our, our plan. Um, but you know we always know things. The situation may change. Things may shut down, or it may get better, and we'll just continue to assess and adapt our guidelines and requirements as the situation allows.
1: Great, Deborah. Is there anything that you wanted to add uh, about the guidelines yeah. or or anything else? Yeah,
3: I think just in general, I think it's just, you know, so important to instead of looking at the current situation as just, a you know, a a whole host of challenges and struggles, maybe to, you know, find the opportunities in there and really to try to focus on the positive within it and, um, you know, to just have a mindset of flexibility and adaptability for this upcoming year. And um, then also, I think just kind of to everyone, no matter what your position in the parish is, is that, you know, like we had said earlier, like we're all part of the parish community, the church community, and, and we need the support of one another now more than ever. So I just really encourage people to, um, you know, to step up and, and help out as they're able.
1: I know that one of the things that has really... Become apparent to me is is uh, the opportunity to to teach and learn online and the fact that so many parishes have kind of overcome the hurdle of like, well, we don't know how to webinar or we don't know how to host a meeting online or we don't think we could ever do zoom. I mean fortunately, but unfortunately the the current place, where we are uh, in kind of managing and helping people in this time of crisis is like, well, people have just done it magically. They've become comfortable Mm -hmm. and and they're just in those spaces more for different things. And I think the, the adaptability is, is so key as as we move into this academic
2: year. Absolutely. Amen. Mm -hmm. For sure.
1: And it's also really fun seeing pets and kids and dogs <laughs> showing up sometimes. Uh, although I don't know yeah. how helpful that would be in in a 5th grade religious education class if your new puppy comes on screen uh, in the middle of any like last minute lessons or anything like that. Might uh, be a little distracting. <laughs> it, it, it might be or really fun, right? Got kind of god right. in god in the innocence and the fun and, and the grace and and all of that. Well, we've got just about a minute left. Uh, Kevin, do you mind repeating the email address if people had questions and the, the website one, one more time for our
2: listeners? Sure. It's um, The website is Org, and the uh, email address is reopen, R-E-Y-M, all one word, reopen, R-E-Y-M, at Org. O-R-G.
1: And I imagine if there are more updates, we're going to be able to come back to those websites. And so keep looking out for that. Thank you so much to Kevin Foy and Deborah Brakey. Uh, This is Lifelong Journey and Clarissa Alhantara, and I'll see you next month. Thanks so much.
7: Thank you.
0: Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org and clicking on radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.